This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to a Celtic state of mind. It's Monday afternoon. This is the Axon Bulletin. And today I am joined by Stephen McCutcheon all the way in from Australia. You're representing Celtic Down Under. And at the moment, as you can see, we've got an empty room with a Screamadelica print on the wall. Who could that be? Who is returning to the Monday Bulletin but the old school poet, Kevin Graham? He will be here very, very soon. He's tending to something uh, within that kitchen that might cause a racket. So, Stephen, you and I will get started. We'll start straight off the bat with the tagline. Um, how did you uh, enjoy your otherwise Saturday's game? What did you make of the performance? Well, no, I, I didn't enjoy it at all. It was pretty tough watch, uh, particularly since it was a 12 midnight kickoff here in Sydney. Um, so, you know, watching it through bleary eyes with a cup of coffee, um, hoping that the Celtic would provide some excitement to, to keep you awake. But um, but it wasn't to be. It was pretty dire stuff, uh, pretty much from start to finish. The the, the, the team, the air seems to have just gone out the team. Um, and the little things they were doing well a few weeks ago um, just seemed to, be, seemed to have disappeared. Everything seems to have dropped a few percent. Uh, the pressing, tempo, the passing accuracy... You know, it's all just dropped and it's it's almost invisible to the naked eye. Uh, but everything just seems to be just a little bit worse than it was maybe a month or two ago. No, definitely. And by the way, we could um, close down Kevin's screen, but I think it's more interesting just to let it run and 
particularly if he forgets that he's on the stream today. Um, no, I think so. I think it's been really evident um, that there has been a real lack of uh, spark, not only in the game against St Mirren, Stephen, but um, I think also against Rangers as well. Uh, some might argue even uh, going into the other game against Motherwell. It could well be three league games in a row. Um, I, I've seen some of the comments saying we've been off it for five or six games. We'll talk all about that. We'll try and dig out some of the reasons or theories uh, behind it as well. And we'll focus as much as we possibly can do on the positives. And I think that's what Ange was doing after, after the game. Um, and he's given some memorable quotes in his time since coming to Celtic, Stephen. Um, I've spoken to a lot of your colleagues at Celtic Down Under in relation to their knowledge of Ange, both in Australia and Japan. Um, when we appointed Ange Postacoglu, uh, obviously where you're based as well, you may well have known a lot more about him than others uh, on on this side of the world. What was your reaction to that? And how impressed have you been, not only with his performance, but by the way, he has dealt with um, the unique approach of the Scottish media. Yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, I mean, I do, I do know, I did know about Ange Postecoglou before he came to Celtic. Um, I, I wasn't overly optimistic when they appointed him. Maybe not quite as optimistic as some of the other guys uh, on the Celtic Down Under network. Um, I felt as if the both the A League and the G League uh, were very different leagues to Scotland. Uh, very different pace of the game much slower, less physical, uh, and I wasn't sure um, how he would, how his style would adapt to that. Um, and also, you mentioned in the media, he, he had a pretty bristly relationship with the Australian media, still does, um, and I, I could I could see that, you know, coming to blows quite quickly, and let, you know, unless he hit the ground running. Now, fortunately, he has hit the ground running, uh, and he's got them all eating out his hand now, because um, they don't know what to do when he just says the right thing uh, every time when it's required. Um, and you, you know you can't fault his record. His record, his record's outstanding, almost flawless in, in his time at the club, except for you know the first few weeks when he was still trying to get a squad together. Um, the the thing that I most admire about Ange is not it's not even his, his football knowledge or his tactical knowledge. It's the way he conducts himself uh, in front of the media and in front of the supporters, and the way he just seems to get the club, and he just seems to know what to say. At exactly the right time. He's just a he's a born leader, um, and I think that's evident in everything he does and everything he says. Yes, he is a, a leader. The, the, the qualities that he's shown have been immense, and he had to be in the early days, particularly I think. But Kev, we're talking about um, the way that he has dealt with a let's be be honest a below par performance um, leading into a cup final in, in a couple of weeks' time, and he's come out, and I'm not going. Listen, you're the guy that's going to be giving us all the puns, Kev. Um, he came out punching um, after the game. Uh, came out swinging, rather. And he made that comment. And to be honest with you, he's right. And I think the reason he made it in relation to the heavyweight champion of the world getting the belt, even though he loses a few rounds, or doesn't win, rather, a few rounds, was, was spot on. I think it was, um, A, to protect the players that have done so much for him, uh, but also, B, uh, to set the narrative. Uh, of of the media because they are already getting into that point where whereby maybe we're a busted flush, maybe we're not as good as we think we are, maybe the squad's not as good as we think it is, um, and we just know that where that's going is to try and build uh, some kind of momentum leading into the cup final that Celtic aren't that great, you know, and they're trying to create that that uh, narrative. But also a reminder to us as fans, Kev, that things have been sensational this season over the piece. I things have been sensational this season, but. 
if you're being brutally honest, the only time that we've that we've turned up in the last couple of weeks, I'm not talking about heart and commitment or that. The only time we've only turned up in the last couple of weeks, football wise, was the first half at Kilmarnock. The first half hour at Kilmarnock, eh? <laughs> So the football hasn't been there, but the effort and the the work rate of the players has been there and the and the mentality of the players has been there. And I think that's what's been missing since uh, Tynecastle, and I think that was proven again on, on Saturday. So Postacoglu's got to actually like protect his players. He has got. I mean, he'll can like he'll, he'll, Callum McGregor gave a very straightforward, straight, no no punches barred interview straight after. Says I'm we're not happy with that. But there seems to be that wee five ten percent effort and bravery missing. You can see them, they're picking easy passes, they're not making the runs that they want to make, but then that is, that's just natural. I'm, I'm sure if we were going through this season unbeaten, the effort would be there. But the fact is, we've done the job. There's another game left. There's only one game left that we need to win between now and the end of the season. And the players have sort of... Maybe they didn't think they're playing within themselves, but they are. They, they, for me, they really are. And Postacoglu has got to go through them with that because I'm sure he's not too happy with that. But what he's coming out and saying in the media is spot on. He's got to actually come out and say that. And what he is coming out and saying is spot on. We didn't need to run every, every round because we've got an unsaleable points lead. So I think also as well, it could be... I mean, I didn't get his team selection on Saturday just the same as I didn't get his team selection at Ibrox. Right. I thought the team selection on Saturday would have been his team selection at Ibrox. Well, well apart from Iwata, honestly. So he's kind of tried a couple of things in the last two weeks, eh, and, and they haven't quite come off. But we've had a great season. Eh? We've had an absolutely magnificent season. And we can't... Eh, every guy that have gave us minutes, thousands of minutes over the season, we can't eh, have a go at them, really. Because they've sort of maybe switched off that 5 to 10%. If you win a treble, there's no caveat, is there? Um, no. You don't go back and say, aye, but because you've won a treble. So domestically, job's done. You've completed the domestic season. Um, in relation to there being one game that we need to win, I totally agree with that. But Stephen, I guess the only concern is is the momentum. It's that flow. It's going into that game with a, a good couple of performances under your belt. Uh, under your belt, get that, Kev, got that one in there nice and quickly. Mm-hmm. I remember, I don't remember, I wasn't around, but reading um, that, you know, before a big game, often what Jock Steen would do, we'd get a couple of friendlies, Stephen. A couple of friendlies mm-hmm. against teams that we were Connie Hammer, five or six, nothing. Because he knew that even just the fact that we were scoring goals and winning games was good for the psyche of the team. Um, mm-hmm. And although, you know, the, the league has been won, these games... Um, for me, there's never such a thing as a meaningless game, friendly, competitive or otherwise. But I do think that they can make a difference to the momentum of the team and to the flow of, of our play. Uh, what's your take on it? Do you think they should be used to try new things? Because as Kev says, he is definitely trying different different uh, lineups. He's trying new players. He's alluded to that at the end of the game, that he's trying that. He's giving game time to the likes of Kobayashi and Awata. Uh, albeit out of position. He's played there uh, previously, but I don't think it's his best position. Um, and I think hopefully we get back to business and we get back to winning ways against Hibs on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely has tried new players in new positions, that's for sure. Some of it was forced on him. 
uh, through injury, some of it unforced. I, I guess my biggest disappointment is I was hoping he was going to try something more in line with a different formation uh, because through his managerial career, managerial career and just played a, a multitude of different formations uh, in his various clubs and, and national team roles. Uh, so he's certainly, he's certainly not married to this one hard and fast formation, uh, which is which makes up Ange ball, as some might might think. Um, and I was hoping that at the, at the game against Rangers at Ibrooks last week, we might see Iwata and McGregor on the same team um, and, and approach it more like an away tie in the Champions League, uh, where you're not, where you don't have much possession uh, and you maybe try to hit on the counter. Uh, and we could also have done that with with, with Burnaby playing. You know, in the left back role because he's not suited clearly to the inverted full back role that that Angie's been playing this season. So why not try a different formation where he's playing as a natural wing back uh, and bombing on and getting up the getting up the lines uh, rather than having to come inside and join in the midfield. And um, so that I guess that was my biggest disappointment about the changes he's made. I'm not really quite sure what he was doing uh, with bringing a water in at central defence um, against St Mirren. It was always going to be a hard shift for the centre backs with with Curtis Main up front for them, um, and you know he's only five foot ten Iwata, and I realise he's played a bit of centre back in the J League, but I'm going to take a wild guess. I'm not a, an expert on the J League, but I'm going to take a wild guess and reckon there's not not many Curtis Mains running around over there, so he's probably never faced a challenge like that in his life. Um, so I think it was a, it was a lot to ask of him in, in that role, and I would have probably rather have seen Kobayashi get another go in there um, just to sort of keep a run of momentum going. Because I think, you know, that the obvious answer is Kobayashi's going to have to play in the cup final, I think. Um, if the if what they're saying about Stephen Welch possibly being injured is true, you know, we're out of options, really. Um, so I, I would have rather have seen Kobayashi get a game uh, again against St Mirren, albeit, you know, the, we've all got sort of doubts about his physicality. Well, you know this, that will lead us in nicely to the first kind of question around not the, the lineup, but really the lack of options in there. And uh, I think uh, he was forced to maybe try a water knowing that he had played there previously. I don't think it worked out. Um, and we're going to be talking about that, Kev, but we'll also be bringing in some comments from our regular contributor, Stephen Sloan. You're on the YouTube. That first goal we lost on Saturday was very poor. I could have saved it. We definitely need to prioritise a goalkeeper this summer. We spoke, we had a whole show actually dedicated to speaking about, and we followed up with a blog, uh, the goalkeeping options that we currently have. And um, who's going to challenge Joe Hart for the gloves next season? Uh, just on the back of that, Scott Bain signed a three-year deal. He's obviously going to be there or thereabouts, but he hasn't played a single game this season. So who is going to challenge Joe Hart? We'll come back to that one, Stephen. We'll definitely discuss it. And David O'Raw, champions again. Well, you're just... Uh, you know, soaking it up. You're still uh, singing the songs, David. Good on you, son. Uh, because it is about being positive in relation to the treble, but we're looking at some of the nuances of these performances. Let's start off with Kobayashi, Kev. I'll come to you just now. I think um, when Carter Vickers went under the knife, I certainly fully expected every game between the Hearts game and the end of the season um, to feature Kobayashi. He's a guy that's come in. Um, you know, I, I was looking forward to seeing him. He hadn't played that many games. And of course, he, he lined up against Hearts and I felt, for want of a better word, that he was kind of bullied against Hearts. I don't think that he stood up to that physical challenge that they have, uh, mainly with Shankland. And I thought to myself at that point, it's a bit of a wake-up call, but the best thing to do is play him again. And we didn't really have many options, as, as Stephen's already said. And then he goes to Ibrox. I thought he had a shocker of a game at Ibrox. I really do. I think um, pretty obviously 
at fault for the first two goals and then secondary, you know, a player who could have done better on the third as well. He could have covered a lot, lot better once that mishap happened between McGregor and Starfelt. But then going into this game, I think the last thing I would have done, Kev, is drop him. I think you've got to play him, you've got to build it up. Was it in Angie's mind that having kind of been bossed or bullied by Shankland and, and the likes of Suter at the corner, he's looking at Maine and we know what Maine does. We know what the type of player he is and he thinks to himself he's not to that challenge. Is that why the change was made, do you think? Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but it was the wrong decision not to play Kobayashi and understand Postacoglu says that uh, Iwata's played a uh, centre-half before, but... As you say, we've got no options there. We've got to get a partnership up. And I mean, like, bringing in Iwata has also moved Starfelt back to his wrong side. And I thought Starfelt, after Ibrox, was only the guy who could come in with his head held up Good high. Point. Because, yeah. because, because he was phenomenal at Ibrox, trying to hold that together. They need to develop a partnership. And, I, and I'm, look, Angie's not done many things wrong, but we can actually question him on that one. I'm going to question him, why did you not play Kubiashi? He's a centre half. You, you see him as a centre. You see him as a centre half for the future. You need to play him. You've got to play him in that position. If Iwata needs needs games, then you put him in the middle of the park. You, you take some do it like in the middle of the park. He didn't actually play him at centre half because getting battered about by Curtis Main, who we made look like the two two Ronaldos again. After the, the two Ronaldos. The, the two Ronaldos <laughs> again, aye. Did uh, he bring the original into this? Come on. I, he's, a, built like, a different... he's built like the original. Aye, ah, true. Uh, no, right enough. Um, <laughs> but you, you can't... Curtis Main must love playing against us. We've made him look like a superstar twice. And what's that going to do with Iwata's momentum? You're talking about momentum and confidence in that. He's just came and got battered about with a big lump of wood. Yeah. Yep. It's, it, you remember, it's you remember Dougie Arnott at Motherwell? Always, always done well against us. I hated playing Aye. Motherwell. And and you looked at him, you thought, I'd never buy him. I'd never take him as a no. player. But he always caused us problems. And Curtis Main seems to be that boy for St Mirren. It was the same way your namesake, London Dykes. Eh? Never done it against everybody else, but used to run riot against us. Mm-hmm. Just that some guys maybe like playing against us. But what I did notice on Saturday was he quickly moved for Starfield. Because he wasn't getting nothing out of Starfield, he quickly moved on. Uh, he quickly moved on to Greg Taylor and uh, Kubiashi. Uh, no, sort Is he thinking then, Kev? Is Anne sit, sit, sitting there thinking a wee bit like Charlie Nick that right? If I play Kobayashi, and that's the plan, and I want to play Kobayashi in the final, what happens if he picks up an injury? Is this what he's thinking? Because the options that we've got are Stephen Welsh, who's still injured. Boston Lawal, who you don't want to throw in in a cup final, and a guy in a water who he knows has played there, uh, albeit it's not his preferred position. Is it just the case, Stephen, is saying, listen, at least if you do have to play in the cup final, it's not going to be your first game at centre-half for Celtic? Yeah, I mean, that that would make sense if it, if it hadn't played Kyogo up front. Um, so I, I would have said there'd be more a risk of Kyogo picking up an injury um, and missing the cup final, and that would be equally as devastating is losing, you know, losing Kobe Yassi and having to play a water there. I mean, at the end of the day, no disrespect intended to Inverness, but we should be able to play either of those guys at the back and still still be Inverness comfortably if we if we you know if we turn up on the day. Um, but just getting back to what you're saying about Curtis Main and, and always having a field day against us, I, I just felt as if 
if you're getting dominated by a, a, a big physical centre forward like that, you've got to stop the delivery coming in. And we just never did that at any point during the game. Um, St Mirren got a lot of joy, especially down their right-hand side, uh, our left. Uh, the, the boy Ryan Strain, the, the Australian fullback, who's got quite big wraps on him here. Um, he's, he's played, he's got a cap for the Socceroos and he's quite highly rated. I thought he had a great game. Uh, and they spent a lot of time in our half, a lot more than you would expect an away team at Celtic Park to do. And they got far too many deliveries into the box for my liking, both in, in, in by way of crosses and by way of long throw-ins. Uh, they had one down close to our corner flag. So that's that's one way how you deal with a guy like Curtis Main. If you can't match up to him physically, you've just got to stop him getting any any deliveries into the box. And I just don't feel we did that well enough. No, we didn't. Do you think it's a position, guys, that's still up for grabs for the cup final? Or are you of the view that it's Kobayashi's jersey? Um, it was basically just uh, checking out a water if and when he has to play there. But, I mean, is that a jersey that you think is up for grabs? Centre half? No, no, I think Kobayashi will play. I'm pretty sure he will. And I'm always sure he'll play at Easter Road uh, on Wednesday night. I, I don't think there's any debate about that. I mean, Iwata, he didn't pull up any trees. Um, I mean, I thought he was okay. Um, he, he had that one. He had a couple of couple of dodgy moments. One where, where they scored their first goal, but I think it was more, more down to Anthony Ralston than Iwata. And he had one moment in the mm. second half where he just got himself in a, in a mess and, and cut his main ran through in the goal and hit the post. Uh, but outside of those two moments, I thought he'd done okay uh, without being tremendous. But I don't think, you know, he's he's not a centre, he's not a centre half, at least not in a not in a Scottish context anyway. So I think Kobe Yashi will definitely play uh, and I expect to see him running out on Wednesday night. When you look at it then, uh, Kevin, when we go into the, the summer transfer window, Stephen's already suggested we need another goalkeeper. Um, I think we need one another goalkeeper anyway, but only when we get rid of the other four that are on the books. Um, with regards to, to centre-half, we've had Maurice Jens in and out the building this campaign. It looks as though Welsh is going to be leaving Celtic. There's been some really good uh, offers on the table for him previously from uh, Toulouse and Udinese. So it looks as though his career is going to uh, develop elsewhere. People continually say Lawal. I've seen a bit of him. I don't think he's first team ready. I don't think he's anywhere near first team ready, Kev. I think we need another centre-half regardless. So at the moment, we're running with Starfelt and Carter Vickers as your first two. Um, and you've got Kobayashi. And I'm not even going to quote Awata because he's a, he's a midfield player, as Stephen says. We need another centre-half in the summer, don't we? Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly... It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ah, especially if Welsh is gone. Well, it doesn't look like Welsh has got a future at Celtic anyway. Let's be, let's face it. I mean, he couldn't get unless he's injured. I mean, he couldn't even get into that side on Saturday where we played a, a centre. we played a centre midfielder. 
at centre-back. I think we do. I mean, what's the long-term planning for Kobayashi? What is it? This is the perfect... Some, these four games that were left were the perfect time to bring them in. Ah, you had a mare at Ibrox, eh, but he wasn't the only one that had a mare at Ibrox. And we bring in Iwata at centre-half and he... And for me... I can what Stephen's saying, but I think you had a mare on Saturday, an absolute n- nightmare. And you're going, well, what's that doing? Uh, Starfelt. Starfelt's running about trying to firefight here because the guys alongside them are, are, are no being there. But I think the whole team's no being there. I think there's a, I think there's been a drop-off in our pressing and trying to win the ball back. And that's exposing us quite a bit. That is exposing mm. us quite a bit. Um I don't think Ralston's looked up to speed either. I think he looks like he's struggling to try and get back up to back up to pace. Yeah. And in, in the first half on Saturday, Greg Taylor was the best player on the pitch for us to try and get us back into the game. Then all of mm-hmm. a sudden that just dropped away again. Eh? Uh, I think we've we haven't got problems. Let's no let's not hang we haven't got problems. This is a natural drop off unless you're gone for something like an invincible season. I mean, everybody talks about magic point totals and goals totals and all that. Aye, that'll be talk. That'll be spoke about like within the club, probably to try and keep the guys gone. Mm-hmm. But even the man, I mean, I couldn't tell you what the the, the total points go, the, the largest points total is. Couldn't tell you. Who has it? I don't can. All I know is we've won the league. We're picking up that trophy on Saturday, and that's job done. Then we run up to Hamden. We've got another job today. And that's where all your focus has got to be. And whatever Poster Coglu thought he was doing on Saturday, for me, looked strange and didn't work. Whatever he thought he was doing at Ibrox looked strange, didn't actually work when you saw the players that he brought back against St Burn. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to question them now, because I've seen plenty of other good Celtic sides win the league early doors and completely drop off. O'Neill. Completely drop off. And a treble. Treble season. No, you're, you're spot on there, Kev. The other thing I would say as well, you mentioned Ralston. I don't think he's the only one uh, within this team and also throughout the season who has been out for a spell and really struggled to come right back up to that point, which I'm calling Ange fit. You get match fit and then there's a wee bit of level that you need to get to to actually perform at the correct tempo in this particular side. And I think Ralston is suffering from that. Bearing in mind, before he came back the other week there, for the injured Johnston, he played 12 games of football, not 90 minutes, by the way, 12 appearances, and that included his substitute appearances. Kobayashi's in the same boat. He'd hardly played any football before we threw him in against Hearts. Um, and in the same boat. I was about to say that, Kev. He's not back to where he was, boat. is he? No, nah, mm-hmm. he's not back to where he was. And to go back to Stephen's point with regards to the midfield, maybe not stopping the supply, snuffing out the supply. If you've got one midfielder who's not quite at it or on it, that's a problem because then obviously the delivery is coming in. And I think you can look at that. I think that he's actually trying to play Hattati through it as well, Stephen. He wants Hattati back up. How many games has it taken Angie's team to get to that point? Moy suffered in the past, coming in unfit, took him a while to get back up to speed. And I think Ralston and Hattati on this side at the moment are showing signs of that as well, Stephen. Would you, would you buy into that? Do you think it's really just a, a fitness or a sharpness issue with these guys? Well, it could be. Um, if you remember, Hatati went through the same thing last season um, and we put it down to fatigue uh, because it was a, a first, his first season at Celtic and he'd come straight off a J-League season. Uh, but it's the same the same story this year. He looks tired, he looks jaded. 
Um, and, and I agree with you, he's just not he's not got back up to 100% after his injury. Um, as far as Ralston goes, I don't know. I, I just think Ralston's just short of the quality we need. Um, and the drop-off from him to him from Johnson is just far too big now. I think probably it's the correct time for Ralston to, 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 to leave the club along with Welsh and, and the likes of those guys. I, I just don't think he, he's where we need to be moving forward if we're going to evolve truly as a team. I mean... I love what he's done. I love how he's grabbed his opportunity since he came back from his loan spell. And he was pivotal to the team last year. Uh, and who, who's ever going to forget his injury time winner up at, at Ross County, which was, you know, a big step, a big turning point in the season for us. But I just think, you know, it just looks as if his touch has deserted him. I bet his first touch looks abominable just now. Um, he's struggling to, 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 with positional awareness. Uh, and he was all over the place at the first St Mirren goal. Um, on, on the weekend there. So I, I just don't think Ralston's up to where we need to be. But Hatati, I'm, I'm not sure whether he's going to get it back this season. It, it looks as if he needs a close season. He needs a good couple of months rest. But, um, you know, again, I don't think we've got too many options. I know it's Moy wasn't even in the squad again. So I'm not sure if he's carrying a knock. Uh, but if he's fit, you know, I'd like to see him get some game time before the, before the cup final because he's an option as well. I was going to bring that up. Him and um, Johnson, there's talk that they are trying to fight back to full fitness for the cup final. Now, you've got your concerns there about the right-back position, Kev. Um, We've already mentioned that Moy came back against Rangers this season and didn't look like the Moy who we had seen uh, post-World Cup, you know, kind of hitting his peak this season. I mean, not in his career, hitting his peak of the season. If uh, Johnston and Moy are fit, you know, just going by what we've just said there in terms of Hatati struggling to get back up to the fitness and, and Ralston struggling to get his touch and his sharpness, do you throw them back in? Or are you just basically, as history is beating itself, Kev, where a guy's come back into the side, OK, they're no longer injured, but are they fit enough to play? Uh, and I know that Inverness are a step down in terms of where they play their football. We won't, uh, we certainly won't disrespect them in any way, shape or form for that game. But is it wise to be looking at guys who at the moment where another couple of games to go between now and the, and the cup final are on the injury list. Um, I, I think you kind of write them off. I mean, if Ralston plays five games leading into the final, I play him, even though I know Johnson's a better player. If Johnson comes back for the final, I don't. I, I think it's a risk to throw him right in. How how would you play that, Stephen? Can you take that? Somebody's just chopped my door. Two <laughs> <laughs> to go answer it. Two seconds. No problem. It might be one of yeah. your mate. aye. Yeah, I would um, I would throw Johnson right back in. To be honest, um, I, I think he's probably a different player to, to Hatati. You know, I don't think he would take that long to get up to speed. It looks as if he's naturally athletic uh, and naturally fit, um, and I, I would have no hesitation in throwing Johnson back in the team. I think the the, the drop off from Johnson to Rolson is just too big not to do that. Um, as far as Moy's concerned, that, that that's a different matter because uh, Moy has shown this season already that he takes a couple of games um, to get to get up to speed. Um, and he has shown some great form when he has been fit and had a run in the team. But I think that's probably more of a more of a question than, than Johnson. And I'd be tempted to maybe leave Moy in the bench under those circumstances. Yeah. Kev, was that one of your neighbours' burns playing Chappie? No, 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 no. It was just somebody handing something. To, uh, to interrupt your axon bulletin. No, yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. Moy, Moy has shown that he hasn't hit the ground running when he's come back, whereas Johnston seems to be a different beast entirely. And even when the biggest, or we felt the biggest test that we could have given him 
was um, a start against Rangers. Uh, he got it. He got it. You know, there was absolutely no doubt he was thrown in there and he came through that with flying colours. What's your take on it, Kev? Do you agree or disagree with Stephen? The biggest caveat that we've got with right back is Anthony Ralston. But what the biggest caveat that we've got to put on Anthony Ralston is this. He's been out for a very long time. The only reason Johnson got his money games as Johnson got is because we didn't have Ralston there. And he just see, we're not saying that he's a bad player or anything like that. Well, I'm not saying he's a bad player or anything like that. I think that his level has just dropped and he's struggling to get himself back up to, as you call it, Ange Fitness. In the middle of the park, if when we play better sides, and there's only one better side in Scotland, I think it's been proved, if you look at the games against Rangers, the, mean, the meaningful games against Rangers, we've actually controlled it. The League Cup final, Atati and Moy completely bossed that middle of the park. We go to we go to the game at we go to the game at Celt, we go to the game at Celtic Park. Uh, Moy has an absolute nightmare, but then we bring on Iwata, then we absolutely yeah. hang him in the middle of the park again. There's a solid person alongside Callum McGregor. Mm-hmm. We go to Ibrox, we get absolutely overrun by a TikTok dancer and a Ronnie Dyler reject because we've got O'Reilly and Atati there. Atati's not up to speed yet, and we just got basically overrun at that point. Saturday again was maybe the same way O'Reilly and Atati there. Maybe a fit Atati like covers that, mm. but he didn't. He didn't do. He didn't do it on Saturday. So I think if Ange Poster call, if you look at our midfield this season, we've always had two sort of more solid players in there. And that I'm even counting O'Reilly playing further back at times because that's when Moy came in his, his stride and completely bossed that middle of the park. Stephen, I would. I'm like you. If Moy's not, if Moy doesn't play any of the two games, he can't start the cup final. We've got a water, a water there. If if a uh, Postacoglu feels like we've got to have two more solid players in the middle of that park against Inverness, it's McGregor and Awata and uh, Hatati. Then you bring on O'Reilly. I think his mistake against Range. I think we've now seen. The deficiencies in an O'Reilly Hatati midfield when Hatati is not fully fit. I yeah. think that's what I think that's what we've had, what we have really seen. It's not that that it's not that that they're different players, know that they're good together, but we need a fully fit Hatati for O'Reilly and Hatati to work, and also for Callum McGregor not to be overrun. Yeah, uh, going into the Rangers game, I would have played a water for Hatati, and Hatati is a player who I absolutely love. And for a big part of the season, I was uh, for me he was my player of the player of the year. But I would have played a water against Rangers for the very fact that, as you said before, Kevin, I felt that when he came on, he shored the game up the three-two game. Um, I've also got to give a shout out to Peter, who prior to the Saint Mirren game and the pre-match, I was uh, looking back on that this morning. Uh, getting prepared for the bulletin, he actually predicted that uh, St Mirren would score a couple of goals and might even take something for the game. So I never mentioned that after the game. I was probably too disappointed to remember that he had mentioned it. But Peter called it spot on. Um, We are going to be giving kudos to Fran Alonso and his team yesterday. They came oh so close to winning the league in four. A spell, it looked as though they were going to win it. Um, And when we look at uh, Jungle Lion comes in, Great to see, as always. Bit of skullduggery at the women's game yesterday. Well, I think we've got two different views on that, which we'll uh, be speaking about in a wee second. Michael Ross gutted the girls didn't win the title, but onwards to Europe. I thought it looked phenomenal as a spectacle to have 16,000 fans at the game. I think the women's game, 
after the last, even just after the last few weeks, Stephen, is probably going to be viewed differently by some uh, football fans, not just Celtic fans. And I think they've played a blinder in a few different ways. Firstly, I think the um, the Celtic end, which is a collective of uh, the North Curve, the Celtic boys and the Green Brigade, uh, they've played a blinder. They've seen an opportunity there to show us and the club how that can actually look. It's, a, it's an absolute amazing spectacle and have shown us it twice. And um, so that definitely brought a huge amount of attention to the game and they, they deserve a lot of credit for that. But I also think the club... Uh, changing the fixture to Celtic Park and also allowing season tickets in for Nout was a massive, a massive reason for that. A great move by the club, and I think that for us to to grow and for for the the women's team to grow and develop from that, Stephen, we need to continue not every single game, but where possible, get them into Celtic Park, and when that happens, in fact, all season wherever they're playing, I think season ticket holders have to get in for Nout because what you're doing there is you're introducing a football fan to the women's game probably um, and what I've noticed yesterday from the footage from all the Axom team and on the socials loads of kids at the game and that's brilliant because it's almost as if it could be an introduction as well you know where the, the crowd isn't as vast and the atmosphere is going to be different so I think that's a no-brainer for next season what did you make of that yesterday the drama uh, the decision at Ibrox and also the season ticket question yeah um I was gutted for them. I was gutted for the women's team because how, how heartbreaking was it? I mean, we all know how, how much it hurts losing the league on the last day of the season. Uh, we've all been through it a couple of times, 2003 and 2005. Um, but to lose it, not just in the last day, but in injury time of the last day, it's just gut-wrenching. And um, I, I, my heart goes out to all, all Fran Alonso and all the women's team and everyone who was at the game. It was a it was an incredible spectacle. It was really good, uh, and that along with the game against Glasgow City uh, a couple of weeks ago shows that we're moving in the right direction where the women's game's concerned. Um, I think your points is absolutely valid. It seems a no brainer to me that your season ticket should cover all the women's games if you want to take them in, and we should be looking at opportunities to get uh, free tickets out to the schools uh, as much as we can to to get the get the kids through the turnstiles. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just a horrible thing for to, to happen to them in, in such a heartbreaking way. Um, I, I've noticed a a, bit, a few a few Rangers fans on Twitter today um, celebrating the fact that their own team got beat. Um, so th- that just sort of sums up where they are as a club at every level. Um, so if that's if that's what they're celebrating and that's what they choose to celebrate, then yeah, I think we're doing something right. It is, it is bizarre, isn't it? Um, but yeah, the, one of the most unfortunate things yesterday, Kev, was the fact that you know there was a massive cheer. There was a kind of Love Street-esque cheer when uh, the goal went in at Ibrox. Oh, sorry, when the equaliser, supposed equaliser went in at Ibrox. And uh, some people didn't tell a number of the, the Celtic players that uh, had actually been chopped off. So at the full-time whistle, they still believed they'd won the league and that was, that was gut-wrenching to see that. But it's, it's been an, an amazing spectacle um, and all credit to the Celtic End initiative and also to the club as well, Kev. It shows the value of having a decent competition, doesn't it? It shows the value of having drama and mm-hmm. entertainment um, that you can get 15,000 15, turn up. A day after a home game, by the way, which a lot of folk would have travelled to and stuff like that, you get 15,800 and odds for a game that actually meant something. Mm-hmm. 
And it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. That's what we're in it for, eh? We're in it for drama and entertainment, and hopefully the drama goes our way. Hopefully we're not getting beat with, with, with league title goals and in and, and, uh, and injury time and, and stuff like that, eh? But the Celtic end was a great spectacle. It'll be interesting to see what Celtic can do now. Because I think the plan was to do up Barrafield, Barrafield and have the, lady, uh, have the women's team playing there, eh? That was the plan. Yeah, uh-huh. Eh? I think Airdrie puts off a lot of, lot of people. I think, I think it really does. Um, we're in the Champions League next year, the Women's Champions League, so hopefully they'll move them to Celtic Park and give um, season ticket holders free uh, entry to that. I mean, if Man City can send 50 school kids for West Lothian down to a Champions League semi-final, Celtic can surely send 50 school kids, 250 school kids for the East End. Glasgow and the women's game for nothing. Eh? You would it's, think so. Aye. You, you would. You would like to think that they would actually do that. I've, I must admit, I've, I've got a small brain capacity, if, as you know, and I've got it's a really harsh. small brain capacity. <laughs> eh? And uh, I can't like, I, I, I can't get myself emotionally involved in the women's football because I've got no space left for any other emotion. <laughs> my, my brain's too full and my heart's too full and I, I, if I want to commit myself to something I need to do it 100% eh? and I've never gave myself 100% to the, to the women's game eh? so I'm not I'm no feeling it like Colin, Lawrence, Andrew, Natasha and all of that today and even yourself and that Paul eh? I'm disappointed eh? I'm not really disappointed but I can't say that I'm a three-day depression, eh? Would have been the guys' game, eh? No, but the thing is, with that, Kev, there's a few people in that some team who would completely get that and, yeah, and totally agree definitely. with it. Um, and I, I just think that there's a, it's like, you know, a big vessel turning in the ocean. It takes time. It really does. I mean, we spoke about the very first competitive game, 200 punters up at Barrafield to watch us get beat 2-1 for Hamilton. And then you look at some of the quotes from Caitlin Hayes during the week, which I thought were fabulous quotes, uh, talking about, you know, her gender would have stopped her from living her dream. I remember, like, you're back in the day, the old Celtic programme on the back, there was an Umbro advert, and it was like, you know, it was either um, the game or her, and there was no question, and it was seen as sexist, and they changed it all, and all that. It wasn't that long ago, Kev, and it's uh, now a situation where you could have two kids, a boy and a girl, and both of them can have the same dream, and I love that side of it. Both of them can dream of playing for Celtic. I think that's great. I- I love that side of it as well, and I love the fact that the when it's kit launches and that the, the women's team's involved in that, and it's trying to give it, it's trying to the same balling, the same balling and all of that. Eh? but I've got plenty going on in my life. I couldn't actually get away with saying I'm going to watch the women game as well. <laughs> and, and, got, and the B team, and the, and B, the team. B team, and, and, and stuff <laughs> like that. Eh? Eh, I, I just that's why I didn't want to fully commit. That's why I do not want to fully commit because because if you're in, you're in. Ah, then so to, to be to be honest, I get depressed if Celtic lose at any level. 
Um, I used to get fed up when they lost the tennis sixes. So, um, and I celebrated the tennis sixes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, any any Celtic team, and I'm in, I'm in 100%. So, um, I think one of the issues with the, with the women's game this year is not all the games have been on Celtic TV. Um, and we always live in here in Australia, we depend on Celtic TV a lot. Uh, to, to watch the teams, the various teams, and I think this applies to the B team as well. Uh, the coverage has been fairly sporadic mm. um, and not that consistent. So I, I would like to see moving forward every every Celtic women's game to be shown live in Celtic TV. There should be no issue with uh, with, with Sky Sports or anything like that because it's it's been shown overseas and all the all the, the home games are shown overseas anyway. So shouldn't be an issue. 100%. There's only way really to promote the game you can, and you can do it in-house so why wouldn't they do that? Uh, Michael Ross, here we go. Celtic end was magnificent. What an impact that must have on the players. Superb back and it looked superb. It really did. And of course, Axom were out there in force not only in the game but outside. There was half a dozen of us um, distributing event flyers for our upcoming events. One is on Friday night with Jackie McNamara. It's at Gracie's. Ticket link is underneath this video. And this morning when we checked, I think there was 13 VIP tickets, 25 tickets in total still available. So uh, be quick if you want to come along and see Jackie McNamara. Regalas with all his uh, memories, a treble winner, of course, someone who played in a European final for Celtic, played over 350 games as well. It was interesting, Kev, digging about the blog earlier this week. Um, you, you do tend to forget. And a lot of the stuff that appeared in newspapers back in the day never makes it online. So you tend to forget just how sought after Jackie was when we signed him. Mm-hmm. I mean, was, Newcastle yeah. were after him, Arsenal, Sheffield Wednesday, Blackburn Rovers, then managed by Dalgleish and League Champions. Um, and these these teams were bidding for him. But what I found pretty interesting as well is um, how close we were to signing Chris Waddle that week. I cannot remember us being in for Chris Waddle, Kev. 800 grand bid received by David Pleat at Sheffield Wednesday. And Waddle knocked back eight grand a week because... His wife didn't want to move to Scotland. Could you remember that? Now that you've reminded me of it, I can remember something being told, uh, something being written about that time, but Waddle would have been at the end of his career at that point. Eh? Yeah, he, he ended uh, up at Falkirk, remember? So he did. Aye. I mean, did he play at Falkirk at the same time as Stainrod, or was Stainrod before then? It was around about that time. Uh, there was, I think it was down to his agent, because obviously... Um, he who shall not be named also ended up at Falkirk as well so there was a lot of players coming up for a for a bit of a payday and, and Waddle was one of them he was just one of the guys though that I just I loved his style I loved the, the way he played the game you know not only with Newcastle and Spurs but when he went over to Marseille he played with Cantona over at Marseille he was a fabulous player um, and I always focus on David Ginola as the one that got away but can you imagine Chris Waddle on the wing as well Stephen he'd have been a great buy under Tommy Burns uh, yeah, absolutely. He was a great player. Um, fantastic. I, I vaguely remember that talk of Chris Waddle, but um, I, I wouldn't have been able, if you'd asked me, you know, I wouldn't have been able to put a date on it or anything like that, you know. The, the one that I always remember is when, when Fergus McCann first took over the club and we all thought that the big the big spending was going to instantly roll in and, and the name linked at that time was Les Ferdinand. I don't know if you remember that. There was rumours swept to Glasgow one weekend that Les Ferdinand was signing for Celtic, and that would have been a that would have been a first class signing as well. 
Oh, absolutely. You could make a whole 11. Uh, and a lot of the time, you only find out about it by speaking to others. Kevin and I spoke to Tom Grant, who told us they were in for Stevie Bruce, Peter Beardsley, Paul McGrath. And you think to yourself, what a side we would have had. Uh, Daniel is referring to Joe Hart. Um, and I think that's going to be the next subject, uh, Daniel, because that was uh, brought up earlier on in the show. Joe Hart, I think, in the last few games, has been um, shown up a wee bit, Kev. You know, I, I didn't think he was commanding enough against Rangers. Um, even with one of the goals, I found that he was flat-footed. And then we see him against St. Men. And by the way, I've been singing his praises since he came to Celtic. Leadership qualities, phenomenal. I, I guess that he's one of the, the, the big personalities in the dressing room on the training park. Um, and when you talk about players running the dressing room, he'll be one of them, no doubt about it. Incredible experience. But in the last few games, Kev, you know, I, I just think he's not been commanding enough. And against St Mirren, absolutely not commanding enough. He's punching balls, he's parrying balls where he should be catching them. Um, and flat-footed again at, at one of the goals. Now, I'm not saying drop Joe Hart. Absolutely, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying get rid of Joe Hart. But I think next season we need to look at the goalkeeper situation. We spoke about having six goalies, Kev. We know we'll definitely have two for next season, Hart and Bain. I think we need to sign a third. I think the other four have to go. We sign a third goalie, and that third goalie has to challenge Joe Hart because he's not been challenged this season, Kev. Two games Seagrass has played. Hart has played every other game. Scott Bain, who's just got a new three-year deal, hasn't played a game this season. He's not being challenged. Is that creeping in? Is complacency creeping in, do you think? It could well be, or it could just be his age. Um, my opinion on Joe Hart hasn't changed. It was, it was always a position that we could improve on. And even though I love the big fella, I think he was the goalkeeper that we needed after the Barkas debacle. Mm. He was a leader that we needed in the dressing room. But there was always part of me that was going, I think we can maybe get better in that, in that position. Uh, I, I think he's... He's dropped as well since uh, since everybody else has dropped eh? Um, since the player of the year night. Well, maybe, and who knows what, what <laughs> happened at the player of the year, the year night? Uh, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. But he's thirty-eight, or he will be thirty-eight. Is he old? Is that? I thought he was thirty-six. Over a, over I'll check that just while you're. I'll, 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 I'll check that while you're, you're chatting there, Kev. Um, there's no many goalkeepers actually can go to 39, 40 now and still keep the same, the same hang with. It's 36. Same, it's 36. 30, 36, right? I, I don't know. I, I thought he was at fault for the first goal. I thought on Saturday, I thought he could have done better with the first goal at Ibrox. Um, as well, I think he's palmed it right back out and, and, and into the box. It's difficult. I was talking to my Ranger supporting mate last Saturday night and that's, and he says to him, where can you improve that Celtic team? Mm. And he felt thinking, I says, goalkeeper, and he went, how can you improve that goalkeeper? We would love to have that goalkeeper. And I was like, you didn't watch him every week. You, it's it's this the way that we play. I think we could actually get a better fit. But then again, you think back to the number of saves that Hearts made. Mm -hmm. that What he brings more to the whole... He's been very important to Ange Postacoglu. He's been very important to us over the last two seasons. Yeah. But it's, there's just something at the back of my mind gone, I think we could actually get a, 
get a better first choice goalkeeper or somebody to challenge him at least. Somebody to challenge him. I mean, we didn't care what's happened to Seagrist. He was meant to be the challenger and he's come in. He's played two League Cup games this season and uh, he's, he's been fit since March, Stephen, but we haven't seen him in a first-team squad. Bain's gone in there, low-maintenance goalkeeper. Obviously, he's not on wages that are going to bust the bank. He's been given a contract. And what I'm trying to say is I, I think the initial concerns around Joe Hart was with the ball at his feet, um, heart and mouth moments week after week, even when we're doing well, there was a wee moment here and there um, and we've not seen that that often recently but what we have seen is this as I say this lack of ownership in his own box a lot of the time I blamed him for him and Kobayashi for uh, the first goal against Rangers he, he should not have parried that back into the danger zone or he should have caught it um, and that that's what started the problem there uh, you, you know Danielle has spoken in, in the comments for a number of weeks now maybe months that she feels we need a, an upgrade um, and, and Joe Hart I'm not so far as saying that I just think we need somebody to challenge him Stephen and we need to bring him in in the pre-season because there's nobody else on the books that are going to challenge him just now Yeah I agree with, I agree with what you're saying I think um, a lot of Joe Hart's deficiencies have been hidden a bit by how good the defence has been this year mm-hmm. um, we've been outstanding and the amount of chances we give up to other teams is, is minimal so he hasn't he doesn't actually have a lot of saves to make um, but in the last few weeks uh, with the defence kind of dropping off a bit with um, CCV being out injured, we're starting to give up more chances and I think that's exposing him a bit and exposing his frailties. And yeah, I agree with you, the first goal against Rangers was pretty ordinary for him. He should have palmed that in a more safer area. And he had another one on Saturday against St Mirren where he palmed it straight out and it was a, it was the, uh, Ryan Strain. It fell right to him and he was just off balance. But I still don't know how he missed he managed to get it the wrong side of the post, and that, but that, to me that was a sitter, and that was that was probably worse than the one from for, the Rangers game from Hart. Um, so I, I do agree; we, we should be looking to upgrade in that position, or at least provide some competition. But the only the only caveat I'd put on that is sometimes we need to be careful what we wish for, because we went through the same when when Fraser Foster departed for Southampton, um, and and Barkas was the answer, and. You know, don't forget, we threw big money at Barkas, and he came in supposedly with the, the you know, with the reputation he was good with the ball at his feet and an excellent shot, shot stopper. But he's turned out to be to be really poor in both those both those facets. So it's not it's not easy to get a good goalkeeper, especially in the markets we are shopping in. Um, so you know, by all means, I would love it if we went and signed a top class goalkeeper. I'm just not sure it's it's as easy as what a lot of people think. No, you're right, and I think we've tried. We tried to to sign potentially the best goalkeeper outside of Celtic Park in the summer in Scottish football, and uh, he's barely played. I don't know where that is going to go. Uh, Kev's got his own theories on reality TV shows and all this kind of stuff. Kev, I've not really been following that. Is he is he falling into the celebrity lifestyle or something? Is is football now secondary uh, to his interests? No, I, I don't know. No, I don't think so. Um... Even though he has appeared in the Daily Mail more times than a Celtic player should, actually. Uh, but that's his missus' fault, no has. Um, look, see if we're being brutally honest. If we are being brutally, brutally honest, if we want to progress in Europe, every place is up for grabs. Every single place is up for grabs. And even though these guys have come in and done really, really well for us, us actually saying or, or believing these places need upgraded or 
they're easier to target certain positions on the field to actually upgrade. Uh, it's no, it's no a slight on the player whatsoever. I, I get what Stephen's saying. That was exactly what the Rangers fan says to me. He says, "Who would you replace him?" Well, I went, "Well, it's no my job to replace him. <laughs> that's no my job. That that's like that's a scout's job to replace him." But I don't know. I, I really didn't ken. But if we're looking to progress in Europe, every every position's up for grabs for me. Every single position is up for grabs, but it'll be easier to upgrade in some areas than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, can we actually say we came up? I know Poster Coglu says that we've come out the the January transfer window stronger than what we've been in it. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, you look at Ralston struggling to get back up to speed, and you look at O, who hasn't got up to the speed of Yakamakis. Have we? Have we? When, uh, have we? And that's a genuine question. And it's no slagging the two players. It's just a genuine question based on form. I thought O gave us a bit of impetus on, on Saturday when he came yeah, on. He, he, did. He, he gave us a fair bit of impetus and so did Haskabanovic as well. I didn't know what formation Postacoglu played when he brung on the subs right enough. It was like, looked like eight up front at one point. Um, but, but it worked. Because it did, it's increased the tempo. And, and actually, Aye. I felt that we looked a lot more dangerous after the substitutions were made, Kev. And it was yes. a change of shape that Stephen spoke about earlier on in the show, that he was disappointed that we maybe never started uh, differently against Rangers and, and the likes of St. Man, especially at home, you know, where you think to yourself you're going to have the, the bulk of the, the possession. I'm glad you mentioned, though, because I think it's important to to speak about some of the positives as well. It feels as though the first 50 minutes of the show was about, oh, no, we need a new right-back, a new centre-half, a new goalie. But if you look at O, O's came in for a bit of criticism. Um, if you look at his minutes and all this kind of stuff, he's, he's not really played that much football for Celtic. Uh, and I think that, you know, the Kilmarnock half, where he comes on at half-time, and there was all this focus on the fact that his international manager was at Rugby Park to see him, and he didn't play that well. It looked as though, for me, he was trying too hard. He had two chances. One of them came in for Rocco Vata. Great pass, great cross. Um, I didn't think he, he he did that well in that game. And then against Rangers, he had that a really, really good chance to bring the game back into Celtic's kind of favour. And the whole, after that, the whole game might have been completely different and he hits the post, right? But you've got to point out, he didn't really, apart from that, get much in the way of service uh, at Ibrox. And then... I'm hearing he's not an upgrade, he's a downgrade on Yakimakis. A lot of people talking around those uh, kind of views. He's a young player. He's not played a, a lot of football for Celtic. I think he's gone through an incredible transformation physically. See, when you look at him when he's come in, compared to now, physically, he's gone through a transformation very similar to Hatati. When you look at the pictures of Hatati, compared to where he is now, physically. Um, and I think that this was all about a bedding-in period, Stephen. And he's maybe got a bit of a hard time he came on, I thought he made a really good impact, a positive impact against St Mirren. And I'll tell you, if that goal had gone in, everybody would have forgotten about any poor performances. That was some effort on the turn, hits the post. Mm. And I just think it's too early to write that boy off. I, I really do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
He's he's been unfortunate in that he's came in at a period when you know the the whole team's forum has dipped. Um, you know the first the first six months of the se- the first few months of the season w- w- was their best, um, and Kyogo and Jakimakis got the benefit of that. We were we were blowing teams away. I mean, we took nine goals off the DNA to the Tanadice, mm-hmm. uh, but that that sort of form post Christmas uh, has never been seen again, um, and we've been sort of grinding out results. So he's unfortunate. Uh, and that, from that point of view, but I think there's definitely raw materials there, uh, and there's plenty to work with going forward. I think maybe we could do, we certainly could do with another striker in the summer, um, and I think that would take a bit of the pressure off him to come in and hit the ground running because everybody's expected he would come in and score goals, but he just needs to sort of build himself into the club. Um, and let's not forget, Kyogo's first season was not without its challenges either. Um, there's a lot of people expressing doubts about him and whether he was good enough and still there's doubts expressed whether he's good enough to take us forward in the Champions League Uh, but Kyogo's season started turning round when he started scoring against Rangers in cup finals Um, and I think that's all all, all really needs he'll get a goal in a big game uh, and he'll kick on from there but I think if we get another striker in the door in the summer that, that takes a little bit of the pressure off him to do that yeah, Cho announced some member in South Korea to play Wolves. I can see us doing that. Um, Robert Highland, Kobe would have been bullied because it's meant that's why Awata played centre back. It crossed my mind, Robert. I think that, you know, maybe Ange also wanted to, to check what other options he has with Awata, obviously, but um, I did feel that he might have been bullied had he played the game. Um, another thing I want to talk about, Kev, is the importance of Carter because you're talking about um, everything's up for grabs. Could we really do better than Carter Vickers? I tell you what, we miss him when he's not playing, don't we? Remember, Jamor had the conversation. If you only had one six million pound to spend, who would you spend it on Carter right. Vickers and 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 and, yeah, and everybody says Yota, and I think Jim's been proved right because he was the only one that went for Carter Vickers. Uh, he he has been proved right. Carter Vickers is an absolute rock. Could we get better in Carter Vickers for the money that we've actually got? I don't know. I, I, I do not know. Could be actually could be better in Carter Vickers in time. But I think with Carter Vickers, we've got a guy who was 24, had eight or nine loan moves. He's found a place where he's quite happy and, and, and he's, playing some, he's playing some great football. Does mean he was all right in Europe, Carter Vickers. He was okay in Europe. I think the problem was in, in Europe is the same as what's happened in the last couple of games as we go overran in the middle of the park and we maybe still need that physicality in the middle of the park um, and physic, physicality in the, the wide areas as well. I can't answer if we can get any better in Carter Vickers, but going on form this season, I would find it, I find it difficult that we would get a player of Carter Vickers quality for £6 million. I would well, find it difficult to, to what you actually see. I mean, what does six million pounds usually get? It usually gets you a job or for the championship or something like that. Eh? So I think we've got a better player in that, but we might have just landed lucky. I mean, what Carter Vickers be there if, if Big Julian had been fit in August? Well, he was he signed on the last day of the transfer window, Kev, because remember, Julian, we were thinking it was September, wasn't it? It was September he was coming back. They've obviously had word he's not going to be back for September and we've gone into the transfer window, last day of the window, and we brought in Carter Vickers on loan initially. I think the £6 million fee, you're right in what you say, but you know when you look at him at that point, 
quite a nomadic experience. Seven loan clubs before he comes to Celtic, or seven clubs rather. Um, never played 40 or more games for any of them. He's looking for a home. His best performances arguably have been in a Celtic jersey at that stage when we signed him. Um, so I think the timing was really good uh, when we got Carter Vickers. But in terms of improving in Europe, my, my view has always been the same on this one, Stephen. That's the, that's the calibre of player you want. We knew what we were getting. Of course, we had uh, had him on the books for a year before we signed him. That kind of calibre, the calibre of Jota, the calibre of Kyogo, um, and I think if we're a wee bit, sh- I think we've been shrewd, but even even more so with regards to getting a lot of the deadwood, the non-contributing players out the door, but replacing you know a dozen players with four players. I think that's the way to go. And those four players, yeah, more investment required, but you are increasing the level and increasing the quality. And I think we can bring in a few more of that ilk. If you brought in, you imagine having another centre-half of the quality of Carter Vickers, you know, another winger of the quality of Jota, because we don't. You know, they two guys are standouts for me. Another striker of the quality of Kyogo. And I think if you get three or four more of them, then you're a different proposition in Europe. Would you would you buy that? Is that too simplistic view of it? Do you think? No, I think that's I think that's pretty much bang on. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see how the club approaches the summer transfer window. Um, there should be significant money to spend uh, without putting any sort of dent in the club's balance sheet. Um, and as part of the the evolution of the team we really need to be stepping up a level in a, in a multitude of positions. So we should be in a position to buy four, you know, potentially five, seven, eight million pound players, if that's what the manager wants. Um, and I think, t- to be brutally honest, that's the sort of level we need to be shopping at if we want to make any progress in Europe. Um, Cameron, just getting back to Cameron Carter-Vickers for a minute, I don't think we could do any better than Cameron Carter-Vickers uh, for the money we paid for him. I think he's as good a centre-half as we're going to get at the club. And we've been very fortunate in that he's probably on the sh- on a little on the short side for a centre-half, which has probably put a lot of English clubs off him. Um, so he's only just over six foot, whereas a lot of English teams are looking for six four, six five for their centre-halves just now. Um, and that's that's worked in our favour. But I certainly, uh, you know, he's been outstanding for the club. Um, and if we, uh, you're right, if we could get another one of that quality in, then we go a long way to, to, to progressing in Europe. And one of the issues we had in Europe this year was we just couldn't get him and Starfield on the pitch at the same time. Yeah. Um, so if we if we manage to achieve that this year, um, you know, I think things will look a lot brighter on the group stages. Oh, for sure. A couple of wee things uh, to shout out. First of all, there is a ticker tape at the bottom of your, your video. I don't often mention it these days, but uh, we released a single last year, Kevin, which is still a sensational thing to think that we actually released a single and the video is on our YouTube um, channel. It's called The Glory in the Dream and um, we are raising funds constantly for Celtic's birthplace uh, and there's a few things through the year that we'll do that will give them a wee spike with regards to the fundraising. But I was looking at the figures this morning, we're almost at 20 25,000 views of the glory and the dream. Wouldn't it be great if we got 25,000 views by or on the 25th of May? Please have a wee look at it. Have a look at the YouTube channel and watch it. And also wanted to give this a shout out for anybody who never seen the game. You said, check that out for a mug, Kev. Colton, but Calton boy, Tommy Burns. Nice. And that's a social nice. recluse one. Social recluse mug. So that was um, actually stolen from somebody and I'm now using it here because I don't think you can get them anymore. Anybody else that wants to send me mugs, feel free. Um, the, other, the last one I got was a gift from an Axon viewer. And uh, if you want to come along and say hello and see us in action with Jackie McNamara at Gracie's, 
Um, it's always a great night at Gracie's with a, an ex-Celt. Then we're going to be there on Friday night. 25 tickets still available at the beginning of the show. The ticket link is underneath the video. And we will be doing a charity drive that night as well for we Jamie T, Jamie Tierney. Um, his journey is absolutely you know, it's heartbreaking, Kev, for any parent or anybody. Um, so we're going to be trying to raise a few quid for him as well and his family. It's always an absolute pleasure. About 800 live on the, the live stream today on this Monday morning. I don't think there was any knee-jerk reactions there. We're just having a look at how we can do better. Um, obviously, for me to say, Kevin Graham, welcome back on a Monday. And Stephen McCutcheon, thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.